Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Well, good morning, good morning. Great to see you, glad you're here. We are uh, this month uh, really focusing on the celebration of our 30 years of ministry as a church. Two weeks ago, we celebrated the 30th anniversary Sunday of Dogwood Church and looked back on uh, God's faithful activity in our lives uh, in the past and uh, asked Him to help us to look forward in to, uh, with a faith-filled look toward the future. Uh, and we're also then taking advantage of this, uh, this 30 years for these few weeks following that Sunday to open the Bible to remind ourselves uh, what God teaches about the nature of the church, of of a local congregation, why He created them, what He created churches to be, what He wants us to know, what He wants us to be, what He wants us to do, and uh, the purpose, remind us of the purposes of our church. We don't get to churches, we don't get to decide that. God decides that. He tells us in His Word, you know, we've discovered and we hold here our, our first uh, statement in our faith statement. You can go online and check our faith statement as a church, what we believe about the Christian faith, and our first core value are one and the same. It's biblical authority. It's that we believe the nature of the Bible, God gave us the Bible as the final say-so, the ultimate authority on what we are to believe, how we are to behave or live our lives, and how and we are, therefore, to conduct the ministry of this church. So uh, we may not be getting it right uh, because you've got a leader who doesn't always get it right, a pastor. But we are a 30-year attempt at trying to say, here's what Jesus says about the church, and here's how we are to go about doing the ministry and the work uh, of the church. Last week, we, we talked about uh, membership and that you are, you are created to be loved by Jesus, and you are loved by Jesus just like you are. Yet He loves you so much, He won't let you stay that way. You know, He loves us apart from, our, uh, apart from uh, whether we are in alignment with Him or not. In fact, the Scripture says uh, that uh, He demonstrated His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, in other words, shaking our fist in rebellion against the rule of God over our lives, He still died for us on the cross and rose from the dead to draw us uh, to himself. So he, he created you to be loved by him. He also created you to belong to him. And we belong to him by repentance of our sin and placing our faith in Jesus and surrendering to him as uh, the Lord of our life. I'm a little worried now. We, we've always said that we exist to help people follow Jesus. You know, that's taken on a, that word follow is taken on a different meaning in our culture because of Facebook. Now, to follow someone, what does that mean? Does that mean you commit your whole life to them? No, just check some little block on Facebook and kind of snoop around in their life, right? Or at best, you become a fan of someone. That's not what following Jesus is. Following Jesus is we lay down our lives as if we were dead, submit ourselves unto Him like we were resurrected from the dead, like He is our owner, He is our boss, He's our controller, He's our Lord, He's our God, and we live under His care and supervision. So i got to find another word. You know, follow is a good Bible word, but we... You know, like everything else, we, we tend to mess up God's stuff. So, uh, but you are to be loved by Jesus. You're to belong to Jesus. And also last week, we, 
uh, saw that we are to belong to a local church family. And we saw the purpose of the church is in part a place to belong. It is fellowship. It is koinonia. It is mutual commitment as brothers and sisters in Christ and accountability in gathered in local congregations and the commitment that that's made. I had, I had some uh, very honest but, but good and appropriate responses to that message last week and, and uh, of saying, you know, I don't like it that you're always pressuring us to become members of the church and so I might have to go somewhere else. Well, just pack them up and go because, buddy, God said that it is God's will and His word for you to belong to a local congregation. If not this one, one of the many, many healthy ones He has all over the community or somewhere uh, around the world. And so we will always be urging you, pleading with you, beseeching you, pushing you to obey God. We will. And that includes belonging to a church. And so you're going to, I'm sorry, the heat's going to stay there. It's going to stay there. And so uh, we will always encourage you to be and do what's right. Now, some, somebody called me the other day and said, you know, I just can't find a good church to belong to. And I thought, really? In this community? Really? There's only 6,000 in Fayette County that are really, really healthy, good, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing churches. If you can't find one, reckon where the problem is. So uh, just get in one. And uh, it's amazing, God will help you adjust uh, to how goofed up they are, right? Right. And so we, we'd be loved by Jesus, we're to belong to Jesus, we belong to church family. Today I want to talk to you about becoming like Christ. God gave to the, the church five purposes, and one of them is to help people become like Him. Listen, you are, several ways to say this, uh, you were created to become like Christ. You were made by God for spiritual maturity. You were called to spiritual transformation. You were, God has destined you for discipleship to become like Jesus. God formed you to follow Jesus. God intends to conform you to the image of Christ. Now for the past 30 years, Dogwood Church has existed in part as one of our big five purposes to help people grow in their faith, to grow Spiritually. Now, again, he, God gave five purposes to the church. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. We say those all kinds of ways, but that's it. And uh, Dogwood exists as a church to fulfill all five of those purposes. And one of these purposes is to help you and help everybody that we can grow to spiritual maturity in Christ. That's called discipleship, that's called spiritual growth, that's called sanctification, that's called Christian transformation. See, God does have a life of meaning planned for you. He does. Every human being who has ever existed had a search for meaning and has a search for meaning. What, why, why am I here? What on earth am I here for? There is a reason. You are not an accident. God created you for a life of, uh, of meaning. And um, He announced this at, at creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image and likeness. In our image and likeness. Now, that's such a, a big 
concept of God to be created, for human beings to be created in the image of God, that um, we're, we can spend our whole lives trying to fully understand that. But, but part, the part that's really clear is that it includes becoming like Christ. And so you can know for certain that you are called by God for the purpose of becoming like Jesus. He said it this way in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 28. Take a look on the screen. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them, what? To become like His Son. And this means you. You do have a calling. And it's not from the universe or Mother Earth or your own mama or for some, from some look deep within your inner being and self. It's, no, 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 no. You have a calling from the God of the universe on your life. And it includes this purpose of becoming like Him. We find, every human being finds their meaning, their purpose in Christ. In Christ. And God intends for you and me to grow into the person who is evidence of what a human being can... the fullness of a human being in Jesus, what we were intended to be. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. We are not meant to remain as children, and spiritual children, at the mercy of every chance wind of teaching. But we are meant to hold firmly to the truth in love and to grow up. Grow up in every way. How? Into Christ the head. God wants you to grow up. God wants me to grow up. And He wants us to grow up to be the all that you could be, all that He fully intends for you to be in Jesus Christ. And so you might be asking the question, okay, 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 I get it, Pastor. What do I need to do to grow up? Well, there's a problem. And you might even say, how do I know that I need to grow up? Well, let me talk to those of you who are already Christians. You're already uh, followers of Jesus. You've already committed your heart and life to Jesus. And, and in particular, to those of you who are also already belong as members of the Dogwood Church family. It's easy for us to have a problem. And some of us do have this problem. Some of you have attended church services your entire life. I mean, your entire life. You're like me. You know, I joke about thinking my mother gave birth to me in the nursery of the First Baptist Church of Freeman, Georgia, my earliest memories of, of being there. Maybe that's, maybe that's you. Church services all your life, and you've been, quote, religious all your life, yet you are still cranky, you are still critical, you are still jealous, you are still impatient, you are still a gossip, you are still self-righteous, you still don't trust God at all, you, you're still unethical and immoral, you still don't know Jesus very well. How can that be? That's a problem. That is a problem. What can, what can we do to change all that? Well, what if we changed all that? There's good news. We can do so. And it's, so let's ask the question, well, pastor, what must I do to change all that? What must I do to be changed? You can grow spiritually by making the commitment to follow the plan of Jesus as revealed in the Scripture. 
You can grow spiritually if you will make the commitment to follow the plan of Jesus as he revealed it in the scriptures. And so, well, what do you mean grow spiritually? We use that language a lot around here. We use the word discipleship. We use spiritual maturity. We use spiritual growth. And I realize we probably should define that very clearly. What do we mean when we grow spiritually? What, what does God mean in the Bible when he says spiritual growth or maturity? Well, he means at least four things, and I'm going to explain them. Here they are. It means that we grow in relational closeness to Jesus, it deeper dependence on Jesus, ethical maturity in Jesus, and uh, character qualities of Jesus. Here's the first one. Grab a pen, grab a note sheet, do something, write this down. Uh, the first way that, that the first thing that spiritual growth means is relational intimacy with Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. Relational intimacy, relational closeness with Jesus. Now, a great one word focus you might want to write down here is the word friendship. Friendship. Think in terms of friendship. How does one become friends? How does one become friends? Um, Pastor J.B. Collinsworth on our team's been here six or seven years, and um, Jay, I first heard of J.B. Collingsworth when I was a youth minister in college. I was back here in Georgia, and there was this youth minister somewhere out in Arkansas named J.B. Collingsworth, and I heard about him from a mutual friend. Never met him, and um, but heard about him. A few years later, in 1976, I attended a youth minister's conference in Central Florida one January, and uh, in the, in the breakout group of about 40 people I was in, J.B. Collinsworth was in that group, and we were introduced. We became acquaintances. Didn't see him again for years, but I heard about him and followed him and was acquainted with him and kind of kept up with his ministry long, long distance. And um, then in, um, uh, oh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, I can't even remember how long it was now, Allison and I took a group of... Uh, married couples from our church to a marriage conference at Ridgecrest Baptist Conference Center just outside of Black Mountain, North Carolina. About a thousand people attended. It was a beautiful fall weekend. And uh, they introduced all the presenters, and J.B. and Shuggy Collinsworth were on the, on the uh, team of presenters. Well, I, so, ah, well after the first session uh, that night, Allison and I grabbed them, and we went over to the little coffee shop and had a cup of coffee and and a very enjoyable time, and we became much better acquainted. Well, six or seven years ago, uh, the Lord brought J.B. and Shuggy to our church and brought Pastor J.B. to our staff, and ever since then, we have worked together every day and, and prayed together and ministered together and planned together and enjoyed uh, life together, and we have become good friends. In fact, we know stuff on each other. See, I mean, good friends know stuff on each other. I mean, we're good friends. We're good friends. Now, see, that's how, that's how relational closeness works uh, in the lives of people. Spiritual growth works the same way with the Lord Jesus. Jesus is a person. Jesus is not a philosophy. Jesus is not a theology. Jesus is not an idea. The Lord Jesus is a person. We just saying about him. He is a resurrected from the dead, alive person. Now he's God. He's fully God, but he is a person and persons can be known. 
persons can be known. If, if you go back to the, to the Gospel of John, first chapter, first couple of chapters there, you'll find that the, the early disciples of Jesus were followers of John the Baptist, the, that old prophet of God. They had heard about Jesus from John, and John told them about Jesus, and they had heard about him, and then one day he was in the crowd, and John pointed Jesus out to them, and the next day he introduced them to Jesus, and they went and met Jesus and went and spent the day with him, and he invited them to become his followers, his disciples, his learners. He called them the disciples. And they, they, they spent uh, uh, the, the next three years in close proximity relationally to Jesus. But three years, it was three years later when he called them something different. John chapter 15, verses 14 and 15 on the screen. Jesus said these words to these twelve. You are my friends. You are my friends. I no longer call you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. It, it, he didn't that very first day say, you're my friends. No, no, no. It, there was, it, it took time. The same thing is true for you and me. Spiritual growth is actually defined as moving in relational closeness from hearing about Jesus to meeting Jesus to knowing Jesus to spending time with Jesus to having fellowship with Jesus and enjoying the company of Jesus to friendship with Jesus over time. You got it? Now you just say got it whether you got it or not. Make me feel better. Got it? Okay, so it's, it's, it's relational. This happens over time, but the longer we spend time with Him, the better we get to know Him and enjoy Him. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. They know me. Well, how are you doing with this? How are you doing with this? Are you, do you sense uh, that you are, there's movement, that you are growing in relational closeness to Jesus, you can and you should and you must. And this is not just for like super spiritual weird Christians that you, you know, my, this is God's intended norm for every follower of Jesus. It's nor, it is the normal Christian life to grow in relational closeness. And you can do this and we intend to teach you how to do it. So as we, we grow in friendship with Jesus by committing to follow the plan, that He has a plan, a well-designed plan for you to get to know Him in the Word. And spiritual growth also means, number two, jot this down, a deeper dependence on Jesus. A deeper dependence on Jesus. A very good one-word uh, focus for this is trust. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. How many of you know that on here? Yeah, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Because here, because watch this, the better you get to know Jesus, the deeper you trust Him. Now that's not true of everyone, is it? I mean, don't you, don't you know people that initially you met them and thought, what a great guy! And the longer you got to know him, you're going, yee, what in the world? Huh? The, the, the better you get to know him, the less you trust him. Hmm? 
Sure. And, and then there, there are other people that the, the, the better you get to know them, the more you trust them. Why? Because they prove to be trustworthy. They prove to be trustworthy. Listen, the better you get to know Jesus, the more you're going to trust Him, to depend upon Him, because Jesus is the most trustworthy being in existence. Nobody is more trustworthy than the Lord Jesus. I came across this quote. Let me just read it to you. If your years of religion and church attendance don't add up to trust in Jesus, faith in Jesus, confidence in the Lord Jesus, deeper dependence on Jesus, it's time to change your plan. It's time to commit to follow the plan of Jesus to trust Him more. You say, well, okay, Pastor, how? I mean, trust Jesus still. That's just, how can I tell if, if I depend on Jesus? How can I tell if I do trust Jesus or to, at what level? Well, it's, it's pretty easy. Here's, here's how you can tell. You ready? You can tell by how you respond when suffering and loss come to your life. That's how you can tell. You can tell by how you think about God and how you relate to God when things in life don't go the way you wanted them to go and how quickly you how quickly you turn to blame him and think badly of him. You can tell by how easily you question God's goodness. How quickly you begin to question God's goodness. You can tell level of trust. You can tell by how quickly you get mad at God. And over what? And how long you stay there. Because I've discovered that anger at God is usually misplaced. Here's the opposite. JB and I have both talked about this before. When Dr. Oscar Thompson, our favorite seminary professor in his late 40s, lay dying in a Fort Worth hospital of cancer, young, young husband and, and father, he was asked by someone in the room who was grieving over his, his what appeared to be imminent death and situation. He said, where is God in all this? He said, well, I'm, I don't understand all this. And he said, I don't understand. He said, oh, he said, don't misunderstand my misunderstanding as lack of trust. They're two different things. They're two different things. And then he quoted the most powerful statement of trust that I've ever found in all of the Bible, Marshall. It's from a man, another man who was suffering. Job, chapter 13, verse 15, it's on the screen. This is what Dr. Thompson said as he lay dying. Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. I might don't understand, I don't understand it. But though he slay me, I trust in him. I trust in him. That little, that little girl, Laura, 
Daigle wrote the words to this great song, Trust in Him. I can't sing it like her. I'm not going to try, but I want you to see the words to the chorus of the song. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. C.H. Spurgeon, great English pastor of 150 plus years ago, said this, God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you can't trace His hand, trust His heart. Trust His heart. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Spiritual growth, I mean, you don't get there overnight. You usually get there because you go through suffering. That's the way He teaches us to trust in Him in the hard times. You find, uh, Dr. Thompson also looked at us in class one day and he said, I've been to the bottom and found it solid. Been to the bottom and found it solid. You learn it in suffering. You learn it in suffering. God is too good to be unkind. What is is good and what is evil? Whatever Whatever makes you trust Him more is His definition of good. Good. Spiritual growth means that we are ever grow, ever, ever deepening in our trust in Jesus. Spiritual growth means that we are moving ever closer and in friendship with and enjoyment of Jesus. And spiritual growth, number three, means ethical maturity. Jot this down. Ethical maturity. Moral and ethical maturity. What is that? It means living a God-pleasing life. Look at this passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. But now then, brothers and sisters, because of the Lord Jesus, we ask and encourage you to excel in living a God-pleasing life even more than you already do. Do this the way we taught you. Ethical mature, a good one-word focus for ethical maturity is the word Righteousness. Righteousness. Rightness. Righteousness. It means right living because there is such thing as living right and there are, is such thing as living wrong. And it's not just personal preference, is it, David? No, 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 no. There is an objective standard, moral and ethical standard. It is, so where do we find it? Right here. Right here in God's Word, right here in God's Word, righteousness. Because as we, as we grow spiritually, as we get to know Jesus, as we trust Him more, as, he cont- as we continue to be conformed to His image, our thinking begins to be conformed to His thinking. And our choosing tends to become conformed to His choosing. And our speaking tends to become conformed to the way He prefers people to speak and our living tends to be come conformed to the way he says human beings uh, are intended to live. There is there is ethical maturity that comes. Our thinking and our believing and our choosing and our valuing will become will more and more reflect the mind of Jesus. The actions of Jesus is revealed 
in the Bible. All the ethical and moral will and ways of God will become our will and ways so that we more and more live like Jesus, think like Jesus, choose like Jesus, initiate like Jesus, create like Jesus, decide like Jesus, act like Jesus, value what Jesus values and condemn uh, what Jesus uh, condemns. You see, spiritually growing Christians actually have answers to the question raised by the world-famous bracelet, WWJD. Spiritually growing Christians actually know the answer to that question. What does that stand for? Anybody know? What would Jesus do? That's not just some nice little thing. You know, there's some answers to that. There's a whole bunch. What would Jesus do? Well, read some of it. It's right there. It's in, it's in the Word. This is, why, this is why as your pastor and all of our pastors on our team and all of our church leaders and all of your life group leaders uh, for preschool all the way through adults, that's why we beg and plead and urge and teach you how to consistently be consuming the Word of God. Reading it, hearing it, studying it on your own and in your life group. And when we come on Sunday mornings... Uh, memorizing it, internalizing it, wrestling with it, uh, reading people who've been very wise and, and about the will and the ways of God to interpret, properly interpret the Scriptures uh, because much of it touches on moral and ethical issues, uh, starting like with God's top ten list. And, and you begin to re- reflect those. Um, you will develop ethical maturity and moral sanity as defined by Jesus in the Bible because the more you trust Him, the more you believe He is correct. The more we know Him, the more we trust Him. And the more we trust Him, the more we believe what He says about life and living is correct and that He has everyone's best interest in mind even when it doesn't make sense to us or maybe even to the rest of certainly the rest of the culture and as we trust him more because we know him better and enjoy him better better we trust his commands and expectations even when the rest of the culture mocks you and curses you and says all kinds of evil against you falsely what is spiritual maturity it's friendship with Jesus it's deepening Dependence upon Jesus in all, no matter the circumstances of life. It's growing in moral and ethical righteousness in day-to-day living. And also, number four, it is the personal character of Jesus. We begin to develop the personal character of Jesus. Now, we have an orchard. Have you heard about that? We have an orchard. Yes, we have an orchard. And um, uh, do you know how we begin to realize that the apple trees were maturing? Apples! Apples started showing up on them. Yeah, they started producing apples. And, and we have peach trees out there. Do you know how we begin to realize that the peach trees were maturing? Peaches. Now, we're all worried about the peaches this week, you know, because of the, because of the, the cold. We're worried about them, but do you think God really went... Oh no, the peaches. <laughs> you know, hey, probably, it'll be okay. It'll be okay whether we have a crop this year or not. But it'll be okay. He's probably still got it covered. And so, how did we know? Well, peaches begin to come. 
the way you can tell fruit trees are mature is they begin to bear fruit. How can you tell that a Christian is growing spiritually? They begin to bear fruit, the Bible says, and the fruit is the, the character qualities and the virtues of Jesus Himself. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 and 20, the Scriptures say this, Likewise, every good tree bears fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. By their fruit you will recognize them. Look at this, Galatians chapter, 22, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, even describes some of these character qualities of the Lord Jesus that will begin to be more and more evident in you and in me as we mature in Christ. But the fruit of the Spirit is, read it with me, love, joy, come on, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. How do you know when you're growing spiritually? You progressively become more loving, more joyful, peaceful, more patient, a kinder person, a good person, good in the sense of moral maturity. You increase in faith, your dependence upon Jesus. Gentle, that means, remember, it means gentleness with other people and their faults and their sins rather than being harsh. You become more compassionate and gentle toward other people in their failures. More self-control in how you talk and how you act and even how you respond to your physical appetites and bodily tendencies. More self-control. We begin to look like Jesus Himself in character, spiritual growth, the character of Jesus, righteous living, uh, deepening trust, friendship with Jesus. This is spiritual growth. Now, look at me. You can grow spiritually if you will commit this cause. You can't be passive. You can't be. This is not something that is so much done to you as that you cooperate with. You commit to follow the plan a, that Jesus gives a well designed plan to walk with Jesus in such a fashion that He transforms you spiritually in these four areas. In these four areas. Imagine that. This is God's purpose for you and you get to choose it. So, on your note sheet, in your bulletin that you've been taking notes on, take a look at the bottom. I've given you another, oh yes, another Pastor Keith self-evaluation here, it says something like this. I have completed class 201, the Grow Seminar, and committed to the Spiritual Maturity Covenant. Yes or no? So, yes or no? We, we as a church, or again, one of our purposes is to help you grow in the fashion that we've talked about. In our dogwood journey that we want everyone to complete, second base, the second seminar in the whole journey is the Grow Seminar. Class 201, we call it, the Grow Seminar, Discovering Spiritual Maturity. In that seminar, we will begin. Te we will do the beginning teaching for you on a plan, a well-designed plan to walk with Jesus in such a way that you develop the habit and lifestyle necessary for Him to transform you in these four ways. So, here's what I want you to do, and I expect you to do. Before the year's over, 
complete all four of these seminars, including the Grow Seminar. We've given you some dates there. Sign up for them. We want to teach you how to do this. Read this with me, this passage on the screen. In good voice. Ready? This is God's Word. Spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. Bodily exercise is all right, but spiritual exercise is much more important and is a tonic for all you do. So, exercise yourself spiritually and practice being a better Christian because that will help you not only now in this life, but in the next life too. Pray with me. Pray with me. And then we're going to sing and commit. And so, Lord, thank you that not only that you made a way for us to be loved by you, but to belong to you. Not only to belong to you, but also to belong to a church family. Not only to belong to a church family, but also you've made a way for us to become like Christ. So I pray for all of my brothers and sisters in this church. I pray for them. I pray for us all on this journey that you would make our church even more effective at helping people grow in faith. And I pray that every one of them would fully commit to cooperate with you in this journey. Just help us to give it all to you. Lord, we say those words. We don't know really know how to do it, so we need your help. But to give to you daily all that we are and all that we have, that we may be changed by you for your glory and the good of people. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcasts, video, and more.